Hi, everybody. Welcome to Busy Living So Bob. Busy Living So Bob. Busy Living So Bob. And it is episode 254. And you know what I forgot to ask you, Kathy? What? What last name did you want me to use? Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. I mean, because so many people know me as Kathy Briggs, but I know that, you know, my husband prefers when people know me as Kathy Young. So I'm, I, <laughs> I go by, say? I go Kathy. by everything. Okay. So you're Kathy Briggs Young. We'll say yeah. that. Does that work? Does that work? Yeah. Okay. okay. So I, so to all the listeners out there, this is an interesting thing that I met Kathy and I don't always go, go into this because a lot of my guests, you know, write to me and they say, can I come on your show? Can I come on your show? And, and I'm like, sure. And I don't know them at all. And, and so it, I don't have this great banner with them all the time because they, we don't really know each other. We get on and they meet me and they see that I'm like outgoing and fun stuff and we make it happen. But the interesting thing with Kathy is that this has never happened to me before, <laughs> but Kathy was a listener and all of a sudden I get this message from her and I get messages from people all the time, but this was an interesting one. She's like, oh my God, I love your message. And will you sponsor me? And I was like, okay. Back up the bus. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I don't even know you. I don't even know who you are. And you want me to sponsor you? I'm like, I'm a bitch. You don't understand. Are you sure you want me to sponsor you? Because you're going to have some rules. And I'm not very lenient, am I? No, you're not lenient at all. <laughs> no, not at all. So what was it? We're going to just tell everybody out there that originally got you to reach out to Busy. Elizabeth Chance, Busy Living Sober. And what was it? Yeah. So um, in June of 2020, I kind of decided I was ending my drinking career, my 30 plus year drinking career. And um, I wasn't really doing a program, but I was had gotten connected with some different people on Instagram. Um, so, you know, like the positive power of social media is the, how I want to look at it. Because I think a lot of people can get caught up in all the negativity that goes on in social media. But for me, what I ended up finding is, you know, I started finding these cool sober people really throughout the world. Um, and, you know, folks that were talking about their sobriety and mental health issues um, and stuff that really resonated with me. And um, I think it was a guy out of um, New Zealand, actually, that he and I both, you know, we've, we've chatted a couple of times and he kept liking stuff on your page. And so, of course, it made me, you know, let me get figure out who this busy living sober is and um and then started listening to your podcast and in all of your podcasts I was like oh my god this person like gets me like she could be telling my story and I think I have I don't know kind of an odd story but I guess we all have think we have odd stories but there was so much like in all of your different podcasts that um, really resonated with me. And I was like, I need to know her. Like, I need to track this woman down and, and see. And, um, and when I you know, reached out to you, of course, to potentially be my sponsor, like I didn't even really know that I wanted to be in this 12-step program. Um, but I knew, I liked that you were like cute and sassy and fun. And you just had this great zest for life and you were sober. And it's like, because I think I'm a kind of a cute, fun, sassy person and you know, embarking on 
becoming sober after doing something for so many years, it's like, oh my God, am I going to be boring? Am I going to have fun anymore? What's my life going to look like? And so you were like this great, like beam of light that I was like, mm, I like what this one has. Let, let's, let's see. And so I took a chance and just said, Hey, I'm not crazy. Although I might be. And, um, I know I, I, I know I'm done drinking and I really like what you have to say. And thankfully you responded. Um, and then you gave me the rules. <laughs> and what was it? Because you know, a lot of people that are out there that listen, I think that a lot of my listeners are either in recovery or definitely like investigating if this is the life for them. Mm -hmm. And you started this off by saying you were done. And how did you know you were done? And what brought you to the place that you were like, I, me and booze have to break up? Yeah. So, um, I mean, this probably goes back a long time now that I, you know, I've been sober for 11 or 12 and a half, 12, a year and, and a half, a year and um, two weeks. <laughs> and I've really kind of like thought back on things and explored it. What I realized and what some different friends have said to me, especially people who didn't drink the way that I drank, um, I, I would find myself trying to get close to them and just trying to figure out how do they just have one glass of wine? Like, how do they just have one martini? How do they like, how do they do this? Or how did you quit drinking? And um, one of my, my best male friends who um, you know, I met about 12 or 13 years ago, he had been doing Whole30 and um, for years and he would have this great success and he'd be like, Briggs, mm -mm. can't do it. You can't go, you can't go 30 days without alcohol. I'm like, oh yeah, I can. And then I'm like, oh, no, I can't. And so it took me a long time um, to, to, to get there. But I also, for 18 months before I actually stopped drinking, I, um, I was listening to like Sober Curious. There's a girl out of the UK who had this book, Sober Curious. And, you know, my husband, I listened to it and you're like, oh, I think we need to start like having some pauses. Like, you know, and you, you hear this all the time. I'm not going to drink Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll drink Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then all of a sudden it's like Sunday fun day and we drink Sunday. Okay, we'll wait. We won't drink until Wednesday or Thursday. And all of a sudden somebody's like, oh, you want to go meet for a drink? And lo and behold, you're drinking seven days a week. You know, you may not be getting hammered seven days a week, but you, it was just kind of part of your routine. Um, and so I kind of flirted with being sober curious for about 18 months had um, some success. I actually had a great whole 30 and I started realizing, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel really good. Like, and I didn't miss alcohol. Um, and I, you know, probably between, you know, January of 2020 and the end of April, I might have had drinks like on 10 occasions. And for somebody who's not like a, I don't know, heavy drinker, only having drinks 10 times between you know, January and April is a huge accomplishment in my book. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, made it through the first month of COVID, no issues. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I think I'll have a yummy beverage. And, you know, next thing I knew it, I was just game on. Um, and so between the end of April and, you know, June 20th, 21st, I just, um, you know, and it, it's not like it happened the first 
Friday night when I, you know, said, oh, let's, you know, have cocktails and play ping pong in the backyard because we can't go anywhere, you know, let's do that. So it wasn't like all of a sudden I was back to my normal routine, but um, as I've heard so many times the last year, it's, it's just, it becomes a snowball effect and you get back to where you were when you were kind of drinking full time. And, um, and that's what I found that I was just hundred percent game on again. And um, I just, you know, I think internally I was having a lot of conflicts um, and I just said, you know, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It just, it wasn't fun. But if you saw me from the outside, um, you probably wouldn't have thought, oh, she drinks too much. Yes, she's had like, you know, she, cause I didn't do anything necessarily bad in public. I never got a DUI, I've never been arrested, you know, all these yets, you know, was never an accident. I had a bunch of, you know, those things, but what was happening internally, and this is where it ties in with this mental health stuff that, you know, through Instagram, I was um, really, really miserable and lonely and sad and alcohol wasn't helping um, with all that. And I was just like, maybe I need to try something different because I've been doing this for so long. It's time for a, a fresh start. And um, I remember, you know, and I'm sorry if I'm talking too much, so you can tell me to, 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 to stop. But um, when I um, had had, there was some stuff going on at the house. I mean, I, you know, I'm recently married um, for three years. I'm, it's a blended family. There's six kids from 17 to 23. There's eight of us. I mean, there's, a, you know, a lot of moving parts in our house and a lot of different personalities. Um, but, you know, what I knew is, um, you know, I had moved out of my community that I'd lived in for 25 years and my kids, like that's all we knew. And I, you know, left the city. I was, you know, in, um, in Atlanta and a great little neighborhood in Atlanta that was really like, I would compare it to like a small town. We're like a small town in the middle of this big city. And I moved out to the suburbs, which is fine because I'm in this, you know, beautiful neighborhood. But I didn't like, I didn't really know anybody. I wasn't really connected to anybody. Um, and I, I was kind of like the mayor. I mean, I knew everybody. So it's like, I'd go to the grocery store and they're like, hey, Miss Briggs. I'd go to, I couldn't go anywhere without seeing somebody I knew because my kids, since the time they were, you know, old enough to go into their, the church preschool, I, we'd all, all these people, we'd all grown up together. And so it wasn't just, you know, Kathy, it was also the Briggs boys, Team Briggs. I mean, like everybody knew us. And so to like plop us, you know, even though we're only 30 minutes away, it's like we could have moved to the other side of the world. Um, and I probably would have seen my friends more had we actually moved and not just moved within Metro Atlanta. So it was really depressing. <laughs> when I know that you had also, for better or for worse, had seen firsthand mm -hmm. what, and I hate to say it like this, but I'm just gonna do it, but like real alcoholism, like you saw how bad it could really get, right? Yes. So, um, yeah. So I, um, was married for a long time and had these three beautiful boys and, um, you know, I used to kind of joke around that my ex-husband was like the greatest functioning alcoholic ever. And we had a really 
wonderful life and we had a very cute life and um, a lot of friends and, um, and, and all of our friends drank, you know, so, that it, you know, initially there was nothing kind of out of the ordinary because um, we didn't think we drank any differently. Um, but, you know, over time, you know, the pressure of like having, you know, more kids and, you know, being in the financial industry and, you know, September 11th happened and, you know, like the stock market crashed. I mean, there were all a lot of things that happened and there's a lot of pressure and, um, you know, and so what do a lot of people do that, you know, they turn to alcohol and, and different things. And um, yeah, so unfortunately, you know, for us, I lived a, a bit of a, a, a nightmare, um, you know, situation because, you know, my ex-husband really um, struggled and it um, caused a lot, of, ended up causing a lot of conflict in our marriage. Um, and it just, you know, I can remember um, when I kind of knew things were going a little bit sideways, I'm like, oh my gosh, let's like, let's, let's have this pause because you know what? We love to go play golf on Friday night with our friends and have cocktails after dinner. Like let's, let's dial it back so we can be doing this when we're 65 and all the kids are out of the house. And um, cause that's what I wanted. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, I know it sounds pretty trivial or whatever, but that's, I mean, I, I loved being a stay-at-home mom. I, I, I loved being married and, you know, we, like I said, we had this great little life and everything looked really good on the outside, but there was just kind of a lot of broken on the inside. And, um, you know, my um, ex-husband struggled quite a bit and um, was in and out of some different, you know, facilities doing day treatment and, um, and some inpatient rehab. And, um, had some success, but unfortunately, it's kind of the, the damage had been done to our marriage. And um, it, was, it was really challenging for me because my children were really little. Um, they're 20, they're 18, 20, and 22 now. And so I had, was going to Al-Anon with a girlfriend of mine because um, both of our husbands really love to, you know, throw back a couple of cocktails. And um, so we decided, you know, let's go to Al-Anon together. And we would joke around because we sold this line of women's clothes. People come into our house and we sell these clothes. And so we're, you know, kind of dressed to the nines. And the two of us are like, oh my God, is your debit card going to go through at the grocery store? Like, can, can you buy food for your kids? She's got four kids. I've got three kids. And we're both like, you know, living in this, you know, mayhem of craziness where, everything looks perfect, but we're just like, we can't pay our bills. We can't, we, we have no money. And um, so, you know, we, we would go to Al-Anon together and we'd sit there and think, you know, why did these women stay for so long? Because you there would be a lot of old timers in there that really kind of stuck, stuck through it. And I just couldn't, you know, figure out the why because I was living such a um, chaotic life. And I'm trying to kind of sugarcoat it because I just, in respect to, to, to my um, ex-husband, I don't want to be too, um, I'm just being gentle, but I can just assure you, my therapist said in all of her years, she's never seen a situation. But because we looked the part on the outside, nobody really suspected it. And um, so I was at an Al-Anon meeting. I, I finally reached the point where I had said to my ex-husband, because, um, you know, there'd been some prescription drugs and alcohol, a lot of alcohol 
And I said, I can't do this anymore. And so, you know, I'd asked him to move out, but I was at an Al-Anon meeting and I remember sharing and I didn't really like to share because I didn't really want anybody to know the chaos that I was living in. And it wasn't like I was trying to mask it because the people that knew us very intimately, because, you know, we lived in this part of town where we saw the same people over and over again. I mean, everybody saw it going on. My friends had done two or three interventions with me saying, hey, we need to do something, you know, because y'all's marriage is not working. We, we, there's a problem. Here's some, here's some forms. Why don't you have him go to rehab? And I was like, no, 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 no. I can't do that. And it wasn't because I was embarrassed, but it was like, how am I going to like, if he, if he's gone, I'm a stay at home mom. I don't really have, I mean, I was selling clothes, but I couldn't really support our family. Like who's going to, who's going to help pay the bills. So to, to, to be able to kind of walk away from this and say, okay, yeah, he's going to go away for 30 days. It's, um, it's not as easy as it sounds when you're living in it. Um, and so when I was at that Al-Anon meeting and, and basically said to these, you know, women, it's like, you know, I had to make a decision and it was the hardest decision of my life. Was I going to have my kids really angry at me at, um, you know, five, six and seven or eight or at 18, 20 and 22, because they're going to be mad at me. Where, why isn't daddy here? And it's like, you know, you're kicking daddy out of the house because he's sick. Well, because he would like always had the flu. And so they didn't, they didn't, obviously they were too little to really know what was going on. And, um, but it was just a really horrible, horrible day when I finally just said, I can't do this anymore. You, we can't, I, I can't do this to the boys. But when I made that announcement or, you know, shared at Al-Anon, you know, all these women came up to me afterwards saying, oh my God, you're so brave. And I'm over here looking at them going, what do you mean I'm brave? Like, this is like, this isn't what I signed up for. I, I signed up for happily ever after. I signed up for the fairy tale and I wanted the fairy tale. I mean, that's, that's all I wanted is the fairy tale. And we, we could have had the fairy tale, but you know, Addiction is stronger than any love. And I, it's, it's sad, but, it, but it's true. Um, it's, it, it really is. And um, yeah, so I had to make that decision. And I remember one of my neighbors looked at me and she goes, Kathy, you don't have a job. What have you done? Like, you don't, have, you don't have a job. And it's 2008 and people are losing their jobs because there's a recession. The great recession's going on. What are you, what are you gonna do? And I'm just over there saying, you know, I, I don't know, I'll figure it out. Um, and my therapist at the time, because I would, was seeing Barbara like every week and she would look at me and she goes, Kathy, you're standing on the edge of the ocean and there's a category five hurricane that's about to take a direct hit on you. And you're standing there smiling and waving. I'm okay, all good, I'm good. She goes, you're about to be taken out and you won't, you're not looking at the facts. You're not seeing, or you're choosing not to see what's the chaos that's going on around you, which is, which is true. So sorry, I know that was a <laughs> kind of a lot. No, so. it's, 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 I think it's an important part of your story because, you know, I think that when 
because I too had a spouse that was drinking too much and everything else. And he went to the extra level. So I was like, he's the drunk, not me. I'm not drunk, right? He's the drunk. I'm not the drunk. He's the one that needs help. And when he went to go get help, I was, you know, I mean, in hindsight, you know, in the rear view mirror, I was not the most supportive wife when that happened. And I think that there's a lot of women that are out there because I think men tend to, I don't know if it's, I don't know if there's a statistic out there, but maybe there is that men just push it a different way than women do. You know what I mean? We still have to manage the house with these kids, mm-hmm. but the husband can go be like, all right, I'm sick. I have the flu. I'm going to lay down again. And the women are like, all right, I got it. I got it. I got it. And then, you know, today in our culture, more women are, are definitely drinking than they were back in the a long time ago. But, you know, watching Chris and, um, watching what happened to him, you know, in the end has been, has been, you know, a challenge. And I want to, I, I, I don't want to tell that. I want you to tell that. So, um, so you came in here and you, um, so you met me and you decided that you would definitely realize that you and Booz didn't get along anymore. <laughs> you're living with this guy, this, your new husband and his children and your children, and you're trying to make kumbaya my love. And it's not really turning out the way you want to do. And you're living 30 miles from where you used to live. And you're like, what the hell am I doing here? And I'm drinking too much. So you decide to go on, you find me. And then what happens? Yeah. And so um, what, what's interesting is um, there's a good friend of mine who um, she's much younger than me. Um, and I knew she had stopped drinking a couple of years ago and um, she was my bartender um, and um, one of my bartenders. And what I would find myself doing um, is we'd be at dinner together because my girlfriend, we'd all have dinner together on Monday nights um, or there'd be a party. And I would find myself like trying to get next to her because I wanted her to sprinkle her fairy dust on me without me saying, hey, how'd you do it? I just wanted her to be able to read my mind because of course, you know, when you've got some weird girl stalking you, you know, of course you're thinking, oh yeah, she wants to quit drinking alcohol. Um, and so I, and she's just looking at me like going, oh my God, what is, what's this girl's problem? And um, so in, um, so fast forward to June of last year, you know, when I had my, you know, last hurrah and I, I was, I was actually drinking my dirty martini um, and I was gonna finish every sip of it. I had no business even having one that night because I did everything I said I would never do. Um, I don't, it doesn't bother me if people drink alone. That's just not my thing. I never have, I'm a social drinker. And so like if somebody's, if you know, my husband's out of town, I'm not gonna open a bottle of wine and drink by myself, not because I have a problem with it. It's just, there's nothing fun about drinking alone in my perspective. And um, on that Sunday, I was texting my best friend out in Arkansas. And I'm like, okay, I just finished my first bottle of brown rosé and I'm opening the next one. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just like, I'm just in a bad, like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm miserable and I'm sad and I'm lonely. So at least I was like articulating this stuff to her. So I proceeded to, you know, drink my two bottles of rosé by myself, which is, it's a lot for anybody to drink two bottles of rosé, but the fact that I was doing what I never wanted to do, and that's drink alone. My husband and I went to dinner that night, and I was not in the best condition, and, um, you know, we had a cocktail while we're waiting to get our table, 
And it, by this point, he's realizing, you know, Kathy's like super, super irritated. I mean, we weren't like fighting, but the tension, like you could cut the tension. I mean, I feel so sorry for the waitress because it was just like, oh God, those people at table 13 are nightmare. And um, so what's going on in my, my mind is because I'm buying dinner because it's Father's Day. And um, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm going to get you. I'm, I'm going to get you. But I'm not saying this to my husband. So I'm, I'm finishing my drive. And at the same time, you know, because my brain is like in a thousand different directions. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I can't do it anymore. This is it. This is, this is my last drink. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have every sip of it. I'm going to eat all the olives. And I'm, when I put that glass down, I'm done. Um, and at the same time, I'm still in my mind looking at my husband going, I'm going to get you. Wouldn't I turn around and give the waitress, I don't know, probably a hundred percent tip, you know? And that's like my way of getting back at my husband because he wasn't like hearing me or whatever. Like, I know how I'll show you, well, it cost me a fortune. So, um, you know, so that's, so the next morning I woke up and, you know, for sure I knew I, I'm just, I'm, I'm done, but I didn't tell my husband for six weeks, but my girlfriend who had been stalking for a couple of years, she started shooting me messages because she could tell on my social media, because I created a social media for my own accountability called living clear and present. And I, I did it for me, not necessarily for anybody else, but I now feel I'm a flashlight to others. So she said, you know, Kathy, why don't you come to a meeting with me? And I'm like, no, no, I don't No, I don't need to go to a meeting. And I didn't want to go to a meeting because I just figured I was getting sober on my own. There's all these books now on, you know, different ways to get sober. And I, um, you know, read this other book from Claire Pooley on um, the sober diaries. And I was like, oh my God, she's like, like you, I'm like, she could be my best friend. Like she, she, I under, she's writing my story. And so that gave me the strength to say, you know what, Kathy, I'm going to get through this. So in the middle of July, I'm listening to all of Busy's podcasts and I'm like, just really, you know, and I'm telling my friends, I'm like, oh my God, she's, she could be me. Like there were so many similarities in the craziness because it's not normal to, um, you know, what is normal, but like to, to have a situation where like you're a heavy drinker, your ex is a heavy, heavy drinker, there, you know, rehab is involved. There's these three kids, there's like financial crisis that's going around. There were so many things that were happening. And I was like, I need to, I need to reach out to her because she's going to understand me because most people weren't going to understand my story. And I felt like you might understand my story. Um, and um, so I did, I just kind of sent this message saying, I know I'm done. I'd love to talk to you. And I'd love, you know, would you consider being my sponsor? Because I had found that I'd realized when I, finally went to a 12-step meeting, I was like, oh, these are my people. Because what I thought of a 12-step program was, and I, please don't hear this disparaging, but I, you know, it's like the drunk under the bridge, um, the person with the shopping cart, you know, I, like that's, that was what I equated a 12-step program with. I did not equate it with a program that could help me. And when I went to that first in-person meeting, and thankfully in Georgia, there were some in-person meetings going on, there was a woman who was telling a story about her kids and you know, maybe she didn't make great choices. I think she'd gone out and didn't give her kids dinner. And she was a woman who's older than me and she had this great sassy haircut and I loved her outfit. And I was like, oh my God, I did that too. Like all of a sudden there were all these 
yeah, no, I didn't get a DUI yet. No, I didn't do none of those yet. But there were all of these, oh, I did that. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's me. That's me. So I kept hearing my story. Um, and I was lucky enough when I did reach out to you that you responded. And I, <laughs> I didn't know, because you say at the end of your shows, you're not in this alone. Like, reach out to me. And I did. And you responded. And you said, um, again, hold the phone long ears. Like, why don't we talk in a week? And um, so we scheduled a call and you told me about your, um, the Morning Hope group. And you said, let's just try this out. I want you to call me. You need to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. I want you to send me a gratitude list every day and you need to call me every day. And I was like, sure, that's fine, no problem. Because I knew I wanted what she had and I knew I wanted sobriety. And I learned pretty quickly that it's like, oh, AA is like, or excuse me, a 12-step program is, can really benefit your life in all these areas. And so, um, and I was going on two back-to-back -back trips. I was going to Las Vegas for a wedding and I was going to Colorado with two of my friends. And that's what we've been doing the last 33 years, drinking a lot of wine. And um, I was really thankful that you and I had started working together prior to those trips because you gave me the strength to get through them. And I was like, if I can get through a wedding in Las Vegas and a week um, with my bestest friends, you know, one works at a vineyard, one owns a liquor distributorship. If I can get through that, I can do anything. Um, but what I wasn't doing 100% is when you said, these are the rules. If you want to work with me, you have to call me every day. You have to text me your gratitude list and you have to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. The 90 meetings in 90 days was no big deal. The texting was no big deal. But to pick up the phone and to call, that was a really big deal. Um, because I, I didn't think you were telling me the truth. Like I didn't, Think you were serious like she doesn't really want me to call every day oh i'm gonna bug her you know like all these things i'm like so i'm you know so to me while i'm communicating with you i'm texting you i'm like i'm telling you i'm fine well you can tell anybody you're fine over a cell phone and um you may have threatened to say this isn't working for me and i was like wait a second wait a second wait a second no because i want what you have and i'm like okay so i'm really not bothering you and you're like, no, I've been sober for 14 years. And there's a reason that I've been sober for 14 years because the person I chose as my sponsor, she said, if you want what I have, you're gonna do A, B and C. And um, so you scared me a couple times because I wasn't you know, always playing by the rules, but um, it's, um, it's, it, it's been so great because you're like, if you don't want this, I've got plenty, I've got other people I'm working with. I don't, you know, it wasn't like bitchy or anything like that, but you're like, I don't need you. Like you need me, I don't need you, which is the truth. And um, so I appreciated that you said, these are the rules and I'm not great with that. I, I dream about boundaries. I want to have boundaries. It's not easy for me to have boundaries. I'm completely ADD, so I'm all over the place. 
But I'm telling you, the boundaries that you gave me and said, these are the rules and you're, you can either play nice with me in the sandbox or you can go find somebody else or do what you need to do. And I was like, I'll play by your rules. And um, I did. Well, and I think that, and the reason I make that rule so apparent, it's because you, you want to be able to trust me, right? So you want to have this person that if you feel like picking up a drink, you can call me and say, okay, this is what I really am feeling. And I know that I've said to you many times, how are you doing? You'd be like, I'm, I'm great, I'm great, I'm fine. I'd be like, really? You're fine. Okay, well, you don't sound fine. So <laughs> this is what fine sounds like. And you've gone through some of the hardest things one would have to go through since this year you've been sober. And um, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so- huge so do you want to tell our listeners what happened yeah so um you know thankfully I try I always try and find the silver lining and one of the greatest things that has happened and you know Busy and I started working together in um early to mid-August is this gratitude list it's kind of changed my my way of thinking is um because I could typically go down a negative rabbit hole. Um, and because of sending you this gratitude list every day of five things I'm thankful for, and I write you novels. I mean, I, I'm sure sometimes you're like, oh my God, you know, cause it's just like this, my list is long. Um, it's really kind of changed the way that I view the world. And, it, and I learned a lot about me and I learned about my responsibility with my drinking over the last 30 plus years. And one of the greatest things I learned is, well, there were times, you know, in my first marriage that there may have been too much alcohol involved and something happened and there's this, you know, a conflict and, you know, I can dig, I can, I I'm, can be like the nicest person in the world, but I can, I can go for the jugular and, um, and I would go for the jugular, um, which has nothing to do with my ex-husband's addiction, that this is all Kathy. Um, you know, I was single for many years. I dated a guy for four years. He had a great relationship with my oldest son and, you know, just, we had six kids. Clearly I like this Brady Bunch theme. And um, when I really kind of thought back on my relationship with him, it was great, probably 95% of the time. I might have too much to drink and then I'd go for the jugular. And then I was doing it with my current husband. And I was like, okay, I can either keep repeating this pattern over and over again, because I'll probably meet somebody else. And guess what, Kathy? You're gonna do the same thing again. So you need to change. So that, like by doing this, you know, gratitude list and working this program, there's been a lot of um, self-reflection and um, realizing my role in, in, you know, a lot of these issues, the relationship issues, really, you know, stuff with my kids and, and what have you. Um, so thankfully you had, um, you know, from day one, you've said, you know, you always talk about a palm tree. You guys have this hurricane that's coming to you now. And you're like, I want all the people that work with me to have really, really deep roots in this program. I want it to be like 
a palm tree. So the winds come and they're going to shake you and life is going to throw shit at you, but you're going to survive if you embrace this program, um, which I did full. I mean, I, I, I love it. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. And I just wish more people would understand it's not about the alcohol so much. It's the thinking. And because of your help, um, you know, I had a tragic situation um, in late February. My ex-husband's wife called. And as soon as I saw her calling me on a Sunday morning, I knew, um, I knew that there was a problem. I knew that... Um, I want to back up the bus two seconds because there's a big thing you did prior to this happening. And in AA, and I just say in our 12-step program, and this gets me teary, but anyway, um, you did this thing called the fourth and a fifth step. And for those of you that don't understand what those are, it's you kind of go back and you look at your life and where you had some issues and things that you went on in your life that you weren't that happy about that you wanted to write down and, and go over and you go through your whole life and look at things and obviously the father of your children will call him that because that sounds nicer right yeah. um your boy's dad you yeah. know that was a big one yeah okay <laughs> I'm gonna try not to to get emotional um yeah so you know obviously he was a big part of you know step four and five and just kind of doing that but then also step eight you know, when you, you're actually supposed to make amends. But one of the, the things it's like in this program is um, you don't want to make the situation worse. Like if you're going to make amends, but it's going to make, you know, open up a can of worms, then you may not need to do it face-to-face -face with that actual person. You, you know, you can do it with your sponsor, you can do it with your priest, you can do it with, with a therapist. But um, I had, um, you know, talked a lot in step four, and I think it was in step four, was I was kind of realizing my responsibility, a lot of areas in my life. But when I um, was doing my, my step eight, you know, and, and, and on both four and eight, you really kind of had to push me. And I, I remember saying to you, it's like, give me a deadline because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, wait till the 11th hour before I do this. And when I was doing my step four, I was actually, um, flying out to California for work and I was going to be on a plane, you know, for five hours. So I took my little notepad and I had my 12 and 12, but I'd taken the cover of the 12 and 12 off because I didn't want to like whip it out. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, look, there's this weirdo, like in a 12 step program or whatever. But um, when I was doing my step four, I wrote for almost four hours and it was so, um, what's the right word? Um, I'm going to say the cathartic, what it's like, yeah. it was just healing. It was, um, wow. It was like such this, this amazing gift to release stuff, not only with my marriage, but also stuff that I've been carrying for years. And some of it was like really, really stupid stuff, but it was still, it was like festering in my brain and I couldn't let go of it. And I remember when we, you know, did step five, I was like apologizing. Cause I think we were on the phone for over four hours. Cause I was just reading it and you were like silent. And the end of me reading it all of a sudden, cause we're on camera together and you're bawling, like weeping. 
And I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't upset you. Like, I, you know, I'm like, oh my God. And you're like, you kind of told my life. And like, cause again, we have a lot of these, you know, quirky similarities um, that aren't like your next door neighbors. And, um, and it was just a really, really special moment, I think, between you and me um, and, and, um, and what I think is so beautiful about this program is, um, you know, you'll hear a lot of people going, oh, I've done like 17, you know, step fours or whatever. And I was like, again, I've been drinking for 34 years. I'm like, let me just get it out. Like I wanted it all done because I wanted peace. I wanted calm. I wanted the chaos. I wanted it all gone. Um, and it like happened. And I was like, oh my God, like this is the greatest program in the world. Why aren't more people doing this because it really, your life just improves. And I remember like we were, I was out there like doing something for work and you're like, Kathy, do you not realize that God is throwing burning bushes at you? You're like, you're having to dodge them because all this great stuff is happening in your life. Like everything that you've been kind of wanting and asking for, it's like really kind of coming to fruition. And I was like, oh, you know, I didn't really know, like I knew good things were happening, but I didn't really get it, you know? And so I just really embraced this program and was like, I understood, I finally understood why these people who'd been in the program for 30 years were going every single day. I mean, I thought that there was something wrong with them. No, the reason they're going every day is to keep their heads straight. And, um, and it's like, you know, I'll go two or three days without going to a meeting. I'm like, you know, all of a sudden my crazy brain starts going and it was like, wow. So then, you know, fast forward to um, late January and I was doing my, is it step, step eight? And, um, and you and I had talked about this because you're like, you know, you might not be able to talk to your, your father or your children face to face. You know, you may, it just might not happen. Because, and in my mind, it bothered me that he had never really done a step four, step eight with me. Like, I'm like, how, how can this be? Like, it really, really, I took it personally that he had never done this. Because like, for me, I, to this day, still was like, it may not have seemed like it, but was his biggest cheerleader. <sighs> um. So I, um, wow, sorry. <laughs> so um, when we did my step eight, I um, wrote this letter to him and it was probably six or seven pages long. And it was, um, it was good. <laughs> it was heartfelt. Um, there was no blame towards him. It was like, maybe I, didn't support you as much as I should have, maybe, you know, like things or, you know, and when life went sideways, like God gave your life back on a silver platter. And it's like, why are you still like slipping? You know, it's, and it, I, I took it really personally that, um, you know, I didn't ever think that he'd, you know, done this step eight with me. And now I, I there was a guy in our morning hope and he was talking about you know, he loved the bar more than he loved his wife, but he loved his wife more than anything in the world. And he was crawling and he's telling the story and I'm like, okay, I may not ever hear it from my, from Chris, but I heard it through Ed. 
And so Eden, Pennsylvania kind of gave me peace um, with that, which I needed. I needed, I needed to hear, I'm sorry. Like, that's it. I didn't need a medal. I didn't need anything. I just, and I wanted him to know that I was like, had always been cheering for him. So I write this letter, my step at eight, and you read it, like I read it to you and I was crying and you're crying and, <laughs> and um, you know, I had made the decision that I was gonna stick it in the mail. I had my middle son <clears throat> who was a feeler, worse than me. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, can you be a worse empath than I already am? But Harrison is this huge feeler. And he read the letter that I'd written to his dad and he's bawling. And he said, you need to make sure that dad gets this. When are you mailing it to him? I'm like, can you get me his address, blah, 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 blah. Cause I had like written it. I had, you know, said my piece and I would like had this kind of relief. Like I, and it, it was really so cleansing to do this. And um, three weeks later, we get this phone call that um, his heart stopped working. And, um, and it was a phone call that nobody ever wants to get. And I had to call my son who was back at school, who's a, you know, a junior in college, because his stepmother kept calling him and he wasn't answering. And I finally kept calling him. And I said, I need you to come home. And he goes, why? Because you know my phone's blowing up. You need to just tell me. And I'm like, just come on home, just come home. Same thing with my middle son. I called his, his work and he used to work a double and his boss let him go at two o'clock that day. And he, I didn't, you know, didn't want to tell him either. And um, so he came home from work and I guess my youngest, I had told him cause he was at the house and Harrison was looked at me and was bawling, excuse my language, just I'm making a public service announcement to all the listeners out there. But Harrison looked at me with tears pouring down his face and he said, you sent that fucking letter to dad, didn't you? Please tell me mom, you sent the letter. And I had to tell him no, I hadn't sent the letter. And I wish I had. Because I, I wanted him to know that, you know, his issues weren't 100% demise. of our fairy tale. You're so strong. I just have to tell you that. <laughs> You're so strong. And I think that, um, and the silver lining is, is that, you know, he knows now. Oh yeah. He's yeah. there. He's with you guys all the time. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And it was, it was, it was funny though, because one of the boys had said, Oh, you know, mom's like doing this 12 step program. And like my kids were thinking this is the coolest thing in the whole wide world. They're like, you know, my, my son's at his high school saying my mom's 90 days sober. Oh, my mom's like six months sober. Like, you know, so I've got all these cheerleaders. My kids are like, this is the greatest thing ever, you know, um, which I think is really nice because I had this support system. And um, I remember, you know, um, Harrison said to me, he goes, well, dad's kind of like, can't figure out like, well, what happened? What did she do? And he's like, she just quit. It's like, that's not possible. You don't just quit. And he's like, no, dad, she just quit. And um, recently, um, oh my God. Who is it? The actor from the Brat Pack, um, Rob Lowe, just celebrated 30 years of sobriety. And he's got this clip um, out and he's, you know, and he said, it's not the DUI. You're not doing it from your mom. You're not doing it for your loved one. You're not doing it for your kids. You're not doing it for your job. But you finally have to wave that white flag and say, I surrender. I can't do this anymore. And that's exactly what happened to me is, you know, as I was sitting there drinking my last drink, I knew I couldn't continue doing what I was doing. And so I'm so thankful that my rock bottom to me was really, really shitty because I'm a very social person and to feel internally, like externally, it still looked good. But internally, I was so broken. Um, and I just was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And so I feel very, very fortunate that, um, I, I, I hate to say this, but sobriety has, has been pretty easy for me but I knew I needed a different life. And um, I have learned in 12 short months, wow, how beautiful life is. And my heart goes out to people because, you know, I go to these meetings. I probably go to seven meetings a day, a week. I don't necessarily go to my morning hope group every day, every day, but I, I try and make at least five meetings a week. And you know, you're, you'll go to these meetings and there are people that like are really, really struggling. Like this is a, um, alcoholism is a really terrible disease. And I think the thing that's, you know, most shocking and, I, and I'm not, my statistics are not hundred percent accurate. So nobody out here and quote me, but more people die of alcoholism um, than they do from opiate addictions from like, heroin, like all these other things. It's alcohol. COVID. And, and alcohol is advertised 24-7. It's like, okay, how are we going to get through COVID? We're going to drink wine with our friends. How are we going to, you know, oh, all this. It's like we're in this society that like it's nonstop alcohol is being pushed at you. And I was right there. I was like the center of the party. And I, I, I loved it. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed the social part of drinking. I didn't love what was happening when I left the party. 
I didn't love the loneliness when I was in the Uber, you know, driving home or when I was in my bed and my husband's already snoring and I'm like replaying, you know, everything. Cause I, I replay um, stuff in my head all the time, which is not a great thing. Um, We're working on it. Yes. Yes, we are. But it was just, um, I don't know. It's like to be able to release, relieve yourself from this, this hell in this prison is um, such a gift to give yourself and then give your family and your friends. Um, and I know I'm sure I've like probably irritated some people with my Instagram stuff. Cause I, I talk about my sobriety. I'm, I'm, um, you gave me confidence. Cause I'm like, who is a sassy girl who's singing busy living sober. And she's got her little jingle and she's out there. And you're like, I don't give a shit if everybody knows I'm sober. I'm sober and I'm proud. And that's, um, that's how I am. I'm a connector by nature, whether it's going to be like, oh, this person can come paint your house. But right now I feel like it's like, I don't mean like my calling from God or whatever, but like life is really beautiful on the other side of alcohol. It's really, really beautiful. And you would talk about in my early days when I hear you talking about like, look at all the different greens in the world. Look at all the different colors. I'm like, okay, crazy, you know? And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, busy. Did you see that moon tonight? Did you see that sunset? Did you see the clouds? Did you know there's like 17 different shades of green? And it's really hard to explain to people who still drink. And I mean, this can be a casual drinker. It's, it's the craziest thing when life, you, you see life in like a 3D movie. It's like so beautiful and exaggerated. And it's like, why would I wanna miss that? Why would I wanna, you know, cause now that I can touch it and feel it and smell it, it's so beautiful. I don't wanna miss any of that anymore. No, and we're not gonna let you miss anymore, but we are gonna have you come again because you're <laughs> so good. And I'm like, we never go an hour. Now these people are gonna be like, oh my God, Busy was on for an hour today. I was on oh, for good. an hour today. So oh, I'm we're gonna have to do this again. I'm actually gonna meet Kathy in person for everybody in, in two weeks, in a week from, actually a week from Friday. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. And we will have to do it something live when you're here or something, if I could figure it out. Maybe you'll figure it out for me and then we can do that. Exactly. But I really, your story was amazing. And you know, you're a warrior, we're warriors. We are like, we're gonna do this and we are gonna be the best moms and guys will come, people will come, people will go, but we're gonna stay here in the middle of the bed and, you know, and share this. Cause I love that you say that we're flashlights for others. I love that saying, I think it's amazing. And, you know, I feel like if we can do it, anybody can. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I just, I, I'm, it, it's the greatest gift. It's just the greatest gift that you can give yourself. And I'm so thankful that you responded to me because you've changed my life. And like you say, God changed your life, like God. And I'm, I am lucky because, you know, you and I both had God. We both grew up with, with going to church. And so this part in um, 12 step wasn't like this foreign concept for us, which was really easy to like embrace. But now it's like this God, God of my understanding and like seeing God in nature. And it's just, I'm so thankful that I stumbled across you because I don't know that I would be 
I don't know, I probably would have had a glass of wine or martini by now. I probably would have caved. And you have given me the strength and the courage and the roots. And um, I feel like the luckiest girl in the world that you responded to me. You are so sweet. Thank you. And I could sit here and Coos and Oz and everybody knows that Fizzy doesn't like to do an Oz anymore. So, um, <laughs> but thank you. And yeah. it's been a pleasure myself and you help me more than, I tell you this all the time, you help me more than you would ever imagine. I think sometimes you help me more than I even help you. But um, <laughs> you know, if you're out there and you're battling this disease, we want you to know that you can reach out and you know, you can always reach me at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y at busylivingsober.com or Elizabeth at elizabethchance.com. And what is your tagline again? Living free and clear. What is it? Living clear and present. Living clear and present on Instagram. And she is way better at doing social media than busy. She's <laughs> kind of over it at this point. I'm like, I can't do it, but I do the podcast. That's as much as I can do. But you're amazing, Kathy. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And for everybody out there, remember what I'm going to say. You know what? Keep getting busy living. So, bye bye. Awesome. <laughs>